0: Welcome to uh, Single-Minded Conversations. I'm your host, Jesse Single. We're getting started a little bit early because this is the first ever, I guess, pirate edition of Single-Minded Conversations. I'm doing this from a semi-public place from sort of a tucked away corner of a uh, hotel lobby. Long story, I've got some other stuff going on today, but I wanted to do this show. Um, You guys should feel free to get in the queue. If you have any questions or comments, drop something in the chat. If, If you have any issues hearing me, I'm talking a little bit softer than usual. A um, couple things I wanted to talk about before we sort of got into it. One was uh, for those who listen to my podcast, Blocked Reported. we just scheduled our first ever public live show. People were mad at me because they said, oh, you guys did a live show at uh, Heterodox Academy. That wasn't a public live one that anyone could buy tickets to. It was just for people at the conference. First time ever we're doing one that anyone can buy tickets to. Arlington uh, Cinnamon Draft House in Arlington, Virginia. October 29th so we're very excited for that we hope to see DC area folks there we're also hoping to um, lock down one in New York soon yes KW6983 will be there look forward to meeting you Um, yeah we're hoping to lock one down in New York soon and we might have some other stuff in the works as well Uh, the only other sort of spiely thing I wanted to talk about was um, Jason Rance who's like a conservative radio host and writer uh, in or near Seattle did an article you guys should check out that is about the University of Washington um, Hospital that published a study on puberty blockers and hormones that I wrote about in my newsletter, and it, it was one of the, the better-performing newsletter posts I've done because, I think because, like, I, I showed that these claims, uh, these researchers made about these treatments helping kids' mental health were just completely bunk. Like, they, the best we can tell from their data is that kids who went on these treatments did not get better. Rance did a public records request, which is a nice thing you can do that I need to learn how to do. Um, Any public institution, basically, you can ask for emails, and they will often turn some over. He showed the way the communication staffers at University uh, of Washington seemed to know there were major issues with this paper, Uh, but they were happy it had gotten so much positive coverage, positive coverage on the basis of, I don't know if you want to say lies, but something very dishonest or distortionary on a very important subject. Uh, so they didn't see a need to respond fully to my critique or to a bunch of conservative outlets that then followed up and and sent them Fox News requests of the data. Other people sent them questions. So the only two points I want to make about this are, first of all, that... Uh, This is just how the sausage is made. It's very frustrating and disturbing that they see so little need to respond to these substantive critiques of the paper because it did so well, because it got them positive coverage. Like, that's really bad. Uh, We're talking about young people at risk of suicide and the question of whether these treatments help make them less suicidal. Like, there's, it's hard to imagine a more important subject for us to have more and better data on because... A lot of arguments about information and harm are overstated or sup- suffer from conceptual creep, like, oh, you can't say that. You'll harm people. There's a pretty clear causal path here from spreading false information about a treatment, uh, of ameliorating suicidality that doesn't, in this case, based on this data, to parents reading this, reading the breathless coverage and thinking that if they put their suicidal kid uh, who has gender dysphoria blockers of hormones it will ameliorate their suicidality uh this could lead to kids killing themselves because if you give someone a treatment for something that you think will work that doesn't work like i don't you know i shouldn't need to spell this out so it's just unbelievably irresponsible the other thing that frustrated me was how um this has gotten it's become coded conservative to have, have issues with these treatments or questions about them i had like the biggest number, like everyone else in journalism, I'm a narcissist. I have a Google alert for my name. I had the biggest sort of couple days of hits I'd had for my name in a while. It's all from conservative outlets picking this up because um, they, like everyone else, have a broader agenda. And they're probably more skeptical of these treatments than I am and in some cases more skeptical of trans people than I am. That's not all conservatives, but some of them um, I don't. I don't think the Federalist <laughs> really is interested in the well-being of LGBT people. To be honest, uh, call me crazy. It's just incredibly fucked up to me that this is now uh, liberals ignore it, conservatives use this as like a cudgel, and everyone should care about it. Like you're talking about again, very vulnerable kids who might be at risk of killing themselves. It should not be a partisan issue. That we want good data on what does and doesn't help them. So it's just driven me crazy watching. Who ignores this? Who latches on to it? All that stuff. Anyway, Steve, what's up? Hmm. Steve, sorry, you going to unmute yourself. Sorry, there we go. Uh,
1: sorry, Jesse. First time using Nors. this app.
0: <laughs> Welcome.
1: Hey, uh, thanks very much. Uh, I can cheer you up by saying I, I really admire your writing and courage and uh, the things you. you talk about in Barpod, uh, the quick fix is great. I gave it to my son who's a graduate, or, well, not a graduate student. He hopes to do graduate studies in psychology. So
0: That's really cool. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I hope he's uh, actually one of the good ones. I, I think <laughs> it's important to be skeptical. <laughs> um, um, hey, I wanted to get your thoughts on two things. You could You could talk about whichever one is more interesting to you or maybe both. But, you know, you talk a lot about this cleavage between kind of the credentialed and the non-credentialed. And I wonder what your thoughts are on the student debt relief and whether that's just going to exacerbate the tension between the, you know, the plumber or the electrician, the truck driver, the uh, barista and the, you know, and the, and the person who's gotten their college debt forgiven. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is one of those ones where I'm hesitant to respond because like, it's so beyond my depth in terms of the economics of it, you know, in terms of the politics of it. It's it's easily weaponizable by conservatives making arguments exactly along those lines. I guess the counter to that would be that going into the election, there's going to be a bunch of folks um, who have a very tangible, extremely tangible, like there's a number on it, $10,000 for a lot of people, uh, benefit as a result of the Biden administration. Um I guess to me, like the broader issue here is just we have such such a, like a dysfunctional student loan system and such a dysfunctional government that it's very rare we can ever like do any policy. It's uh, so much of policy these days is just presidents trying to figure out how much they can get away with just like with executive power, which just yeah. So this was like through a, 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 I believe something had to, having to do with COVID relief and the CDC. It's just like sort of made up. Um, yeah, the so, Hero, yeah.
1: Heroes Act. It dates back to the Heroes Act of nine eleven. Um, And I think there's a huge constitutional question, uh, but that's not going to be decided, obviously, before the election. Um, It's interesting. The applications are going to be mailed out in early October. They might as well just mail it with a ballot. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Although, uh, to be fair,
0: Trump tried to put his name on stimulus Absolutely. So this is what good politicians do.
1: Yeah, totally. And, and, you know, I think unlike a lot of comparisons are being made with the PPP relief, which I think is a legitimate, you know, tool to call out hypocrisy. But the but that. TPP forgiveness was an actual bill that was voted on by Congress and it was, yeah. it was bipartisan and it was very clear and I think especially with the EPA decision in West Virginia it's super unlikely that this Supreme Court when it get when it you know as long as a plaintiff can be found with standing um, I think you know the odds are like a hundred percent once they get past the standing thing that it'll be overturned because it's just there's there's no even Nancy Pelosi in April felt uh, the president couldn't do this. So regardless, putting aside whether it's morally the right thing to do or policy the right thing to do, I think legally it's just not – it's not going to be upheld. But but the real kind of – the interesting kind of uh, uh, inside baseball is can they find a plaintiff withstanding? And, yeah, and I was listening like to a, a little bit of
0: David French. There. He was saying that is – that idea of like finding someone who's a standing just because they're a taxpayer uh, doesn't – work I don't I don't know much about it beyond that
1: right yeah I think it's maybe more likely to be like a payment processor or a or a shareholder of a major payment processor and uh, anyway it'll be interesting to watch I'll, I'll duck out in a sec but the other question I had and you can pass to the next person if you want but the I, I wanted to get your thoughts on whether you'll see it, whether we will soon see like a cleavage between the LGB part of LGBT and the and the T um, politically whether that sort of you know, uh, I, I'm not sure alliance, but kind of, you know, grouping or identity group is is on the verge of over the next five years or 10 years. Would you see those four letters being used together? Um, I know Katie sometimes refers to that on the podcast.
0: Yeah. Uh, thanks, Steve. And I'm, I'm going to bump Michael to the front and I'll, I'll briefly answer this. Uh, Got it. In the, at the level of national and international organizations, no. I think it's just a well-established lobby group that represents all of them. I think there's like internal tension, but I think there's always been internal tension. Um, I think the legitimate sources of tension have to do mostly with like gender nonconforming kids. And should we see them as like a boy going through a girly phase or should we say that as soon as they say they're a girl or or really act in a persistent way like a girl, they are a girl. So I've heard Katie's not the only gay person I've talked to who thinks that if they'd been a kid uh, in 2020, 2022 – they may have been told they were trans, and, and they don't like that. I find it hard to disagree with them. So I think there's some real tension there. I don't think you'll ever you'll see that. You know, you have like the LGBT LGBT alliance in the UK, but um, the major groups, I think there's there's not going to be like a big top down split over this. Anyway, Michael, what's up,
2: Jesse? I'm looking for some
3: advice as as a former reporter of uh, what to do when there's someone who's clearly a fraud They're a media darling. They get quoted all the time. I don't have a platform, but there's publicly available information showing the person's a complete fraud. You
0: send me an email with details and then I report on it.
3: Okay. (laughs) All right. I have a Substack written up on it, so I'm happy to. Send me a link. Okay. All right. I'll email you right now. Thank
0: you. Thanks, Michael. Easy enough. (laughs) Neil, what's up?
2: Oh, so I had a kind of like a. non-serious uh topic but i just wanted to say i noticed recently that in all your titles for both your your own Substacks and blocked and reported you capitalize every word um and i i like that because i i don't i really hate the oh minimize the 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 small words it like is really irritating to me and you like capitalize everything and i really like that and i was wondering what your thought process was for
4: that
0: just because I'm lazy. Also, I, apologies, to others. I think I actually bumped Neil, um, who wasn't next, but we'll let you say Neil. Is my bad. Um, I just am lazy and don't want to have to think about formatting. And you know, I know. I always. I know and and the get the low lower. I don't remember which other letters do. It's just easier for me. It's less one less thing to worry about. Sorry, it's not a very exciting answer.
1: No
2: sorry. Um, I my audio just randomly disconnected, so I didn't hear your answer. That's not but good. I'll hear it on the-
0: oh, I, you know, I just said it's easier for me to remember. Like I don't have to think about which words to lowercase, or it's just laziness, basically. There's no real stylistic principle behind it.
2: Well, laziness has led you to a, a better titling system.
0: Um, right, laziness is responsible for a lot of my uh, professional success, so it's working out so far. Cool, cool. <laughs> Thanks, you. Pat- wait. Let me make sure Peyton's actually next. Nice. Yep. All right, we're back on track order-wise. Peyton, what is up? Peyton, you got to uh, unmute yourself. All right. Oh, there we go. Uh, I had yep, there we go. Speak up, Peyton.
2: Hey, can you hear me, Jesse?
0: I can. How's um, it going?
2: Um, I wanted to push back on.
0: Hey, did Peyton cut out for anyone else? Just give me a thumbs up if he did cut out. Yeah.
2: Hey, is it better now?
0: Yeah, try one time. You said you wanted to push back on something. Yeah,
2: I wanted to push back on something you said on uh, Barpod last week about the Sam Thielman thing. Um, and you know, like I totally get it if it was like a platform, like if he had a if Sam had a Substack, and they were like, you know, because you criticize Substack, like you can no longer um, like write on Substack. That would obviously be like uh, a violation of free speech. And just for context for others, like what happened was. He like edited another newsletter that was like pretty critical of of Substack. But like, to be fair, Substack had a contract with him to like work as like an employee. And like, if you'd like run a business and like some, your employee is like criticizing the company, like just like offhand, like you have to like fill, like continue your contract, but you don't have to like renew your contract like the next month. And it would be kind of silly to like force Substack to. Like constantly employ editors who were like at odds with the platform indefinitely. Like, and I'm not sure that's taking away Sam's like right to free speech to like say like, hey, we just like don't want to employ you anymore after your like month contract is up. But yeah, yeah,
0: I I think well, so he wasn't he wasn't an employee. He was a contractor, and he was contractor who edited, did it right. right. Um, so look, Substack eventually acknowledged. They thought they were in the wrong. They reversed the decision. So I just think we should take, like, a very liberal approach and a very forgiving approach, um, both to employees and to contractors. And I think people abuse that principle. Like, there's definitely instances where people clearly should be fired. People got mad at me because, like, a Netflix tech worker mad at the Dave Chappelle stuff leaked their internal data about the performance of Chappelle's special, which is, like... That's a no-brainer. You're going to get your ass fired, like in the same way you're going to get fired if you commit plagiarism. But right. this is a pretty soft offense if it's, if it's an offense at all. So, yeah, I just like to take a very liberal, forgiving approach to this stuff, even for assholes like Sam Thielman.
2: Right. I mean, I guess some of this depends on your views on like uh, like at-will employment versus like just cause. Yes. Um,
0: my, I mean, my view is simply that we – I, I think – America has a uniquely liberal labor system in the sense that empl- uh, employers can basically fire you for any reason in a way they can't always in places like Germany. Um, and I think that's another reason we should enforce norms uh, where we discourage employers from doing that. Cause I think a lot of workers in America get screwed over unfairly. So if we had like more labor protections, maybe I wouldn't feel so strongly about it.
2: Yeah. yeah that makes sense. I mean, I think for like an upcoming platform, like, Substack, they just—they also just got to be really careful of like, because a lot of people like would want to sabotage Substack for all kinds of reasons. I'm not saying that's Sam, yeah. um, but like, I, I get why they would be skeptical of someone who was like even like sort of critical of the platform, just like continuing to have a contact with them. Yeah, but, I can see that. But, yeah.
5: Cool. Thanks,
0: Peter. Yeah. Patrick, what is
5: up? Hey, Jesse. I hope you're having a good uh, Sunday afternoon where you are. I oh, am. Yeah. Um,
0: I hope you are as well.
5: Ah, that's morning here technically for me, so I'm still lounging about. Nice. Uh, so I wanted to talk to you about, um, so it's related to uh, the journal article kind of thing uh, that you were pointing out about kind of hiding the ball when it comes to reporting uh, kind of truthful things about it. I remember seeing, I think it was this past week, although time is relative uh, on twitter.com, about how uh, nature.com, I, think, I believe it was Nature, published a statement on their ethics of publishing journal, uh, basically research and journal articles, where it alluded to the fact that they weren't going to basically take any kind of research or articles that uh, might be uh, harmful to certain communities. And Yeah, I, I'm actually going to be writing
0: about this in my Substack, but um, it was. It was phrased a little bit more vaguely than that. It was phrased so vaguely that I think it could be enforced against basically any article in the world. There were a lot of sentences. I don't have it in front of me and I'm away from my computer. But a lot of sentences of the forum. Uh, you know, we think nature should be able to post-publication edit or refuse or retract papers that fulfill any of these criteria. And then the criteria themselves are very vague using words like harm, using words like – viewing one group as um, having supremacy over another and they're obviously not talking about you know Nazi propaganda because no one's publishing Nazi propaganda it's clearly an attempt to increase the number of articles that can get p- retracted for purely political reasons and I think it's a really bad idea um, which is why I'm gonna to write about it but anyway I talked over you before you could even ask your question
5: well I didn't realize I was actually gonna scoop you accidentally by asking about how it. dare you? So, uh, I suppose I have to wait for um, the article, but yeah, um, what you definitely should learn how to do public records requests. Uh, they're not hard. It might have, yeah, I, it's not no, They're, it might have, they're, they're yeah. time consuming and annoying, is what they are. Yeah. Actually, the person you should talk to about it is whoever is the most crankiest neighbor you have. I guarantee you they don't <laughs> do um, public records requests because they have filed one uh, with this local government about whatever kind of uh, put- pet issue they have.
0: I bet if you went to the craziest people at any school board meeting, which will usually be the craziest people in a community, they will be familiar with that too.
5: Oh, definitely. Most assuredly. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's a good idea. Uh, yeah, the nature thing I thought was bad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write a thing about it, so uh, look right. out for that.
5: I'll be in the comments then. All right, later, Jesse.
0: Thanks, Patrick. Jamile, what's up? Jamile, speak up. Uh, lost some schnarf. Welcome, schnarf. I believe a new caller.
6: Hey, what's up? I I was wondering what your take it, take is on on the uh, on student loan on the student loan situation. So, personally, like th- those loans are all guaranteed by the federal government, right? So, for them to literally zero it out, I, I don't believe would cost the government anything. And what seems to happen is that is that there is this kind of apprehension for using executive orders to do so. And if we look at the Trump presidency, I mean, his first few executive orders, one of them uh, specifically was dedicated to literally gutting whatever was left over of Dodd-Frank and allowing corporate. Capitalism to, to, I mean, corporate, the, the corporate, uh, casino capitalism to take over and, yeah. and, and do what it's, what it, what it always wanted to do, right? The financial industry was allowed to do whatever they wanted to do. Why is it so hard for a Democratic president to literally zero out something that, that would not actually hurt his, one, his chances of getting reelected or if he's, you know, not going to run again? the chances of his party getting reelected and second of all wouldn't really cause any kind of damage to the american economy right
0: so this might be a dumb question but just on, on the the facts of the matter i mean the government guaranteeing a loan means that if there's a default the government will then step in and pay it right they're not it's Ooh. not like they've paid it yet so in this case if they're reducing the amount by 10,000 is i don't even know the mechanics of the policy so maybe i've underqualified but is the government just paying 10,000 to each of the lenders in
6: question. Well, how is no, so, so, so what they, what they ultimately do, the, the, the ultimate way you have to look at this is that the, the people who are benefiting from this are the financial institutions. So again, what we've done is we've, uh, we public, we've made the risk public and right. then we privatized the, we privatized private. the reward, right? Yeah. So, so essentially what would happen is that if someone was working to pay things off, the, 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 the loan would actually go ultimately to the financial institution that's in question However, if the person doesn't do it, it falls back on on yeah the, US the lender. Government. The lender
0: can't lose. That's a guarantee, right? Bill, right.
6: So ninety two percent of it all falls back to the uh, to, to the federal government. So what I'm essentially thinking is this: is that if this there's a way to zero it out, right? Because every debt essentially is an asset, and it's an asset only for those for those credit or for the for those financial institutions, right? So if you zero out that debt, you're taking away their asset. They're the ones that are crying and. and and screaming and then having the Cato Institute write out the top 5 reasons why why student loan forgiveness is a bad thing, right? But what I'm thinking is and it's not so much about the policy. It's more along the 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 headspace of where the Democratic Party is. Why would they not do something that is essentially popular with one the people that got them elected? Yeah. as opposed to you know continuing this kind of static inertia of of hiding behind like nonsense.
0: Yeah, well, well, two quick things. One on the on the executive power thing. I mean, Charlie Savage, this great reporter at the New York Times, wrote a book called something <laughs> something colon I think the rise of the imperial presidency. That was about George W. Bush's. Um, revolutionary approach to executive power, seizing more and more of it, um, then I think Obama just made things worse. Then I think Trump made things I think it's like only going in one direction, and the amount of power presidents have uh, is something we should be worried about. And of course, it's used by conservatives for conservative ends. On the question of why the Democrats don't do something more ambitious, I mean, I think there are real political perils here, because if you did zero out all student loans, that is something that... Um, Whatever you say about the economics of it i 'm severely underqualified there. it looks like you 're doing something very big that only benefits people who went to college, uh, which is not the majority of the country. so I think it 's politically fraught to say the least
6: I, Well, th- here 's not- the real motivation and I think i i 'll be frank about my motivations what would what would really happen is that you would attack the financial industry right so the financial industry as a whole. Is is a significant part of GDP, but what really happens is that does the financial industry actually create value for the for the for average American people? And that's absolutely no. And it doesn't. It's their 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 initiatives aren't really helping people, and they're not like preventing from the exploitation of the planet, right? So to hurt the financial industry, or to uh, or or to even you know go as far as restraining them, that doesn't seem to be the agenda of the Democratic Party. It's also not the agenda of the Republican party which no. leaves people like myself saying why am i voting and i'll be honest with you like if, if they actually took a stance where they did something i might actually be galvanized to vote but i live in new york so in my opinion i don't think it really matters but i'm just saying in in essence why is there an inertia for taking action on things that do have an effect and to, to say that you know the vast majority of people haven't gone to college debt forgiveness is probably the strongest. and and easiest way of showing solidarity with with people that vote so even if the vast majority of americans haven't gone to college it does affect people they know and people that they're tangent to right and there's plenty of people that went to college that didn't even graduate that well i mean that yeah those are some of the
0: saddest student loan cases folks who didn't even get their uh degree uh yeah those are i'm out of my depth on the econ but uh let me think more about that stuff i mean yeah, I just think it's it's politically tough. I don't think it's the vast majority – I'm going to go to Cole. Thank you, Sean. I don't think it's the vast majority who didn't go to college. I forget the numbers. I think like – God, I can never remember this. Is it 40% of Americans have a college degree? Someone could Google this very quickly. But um, if you're in a world like mine where basically everyone got went to college, it's easy to not understand what a big divide that is culturally, politically, economically. Cole, what's up?
7: So, yeah, about this. Letting everybody default on the... Hey,
0: Cole, you're having major mic problems. I, I can't really... Um...
7: him, um... Now...
0: Hey, Cole, I feel bad, but your mic is, like, coming in and out. Um... Are you able
7: to Is that better?
0: A little bit better, yeah.
7: So, everybody will benefit with this idea. If we can default on our incident, can default on their own loans, it will benefit all American people because it, Don't benefit politicians, don't benefit the financial institution or nobody. So, by claiming bankruptcy on our student loan debt will be the greatest play ever.
0: You're saying it'll benefit the common people, basically? Yeah. 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 The problem is uh thank you, Cole. I I feel bad that so many folks are asking about this just cuz it's um
7: No, I'm so telling far, I'm, you, I'm telling you how to fix it, dude. How to fix if it? Ever, Everyone just default on their loans. Default on their loans is not a political plan. It's not a That's like you default on your losses in the business.
0: Yeah. Um, Thank you, Cole. Again, it's just like it's hard for me to – I just don't do – I'm not good at economics. I try to be honest about the limits of my expertise. I do know a lot of student uh, loans are not dischargeable through bankruptcy, so I think stuff like that makes it more complicated. Anyway, hey, what's up?
3: Hello. I, uh, I called a bit ago about Andrew Tate, and the story has developed somewhat. He's been banned from everything. Uh, I wonder if you've been following that at all.
0: We just got another email. We've had now had a bunch of people uh, saying we should be covering Andrew Tate. I might have to like force Katie to bite the bullet and have us just both <laughs> spend a week catching up on him and absorbing his um horrific and in some cases borderline criminal content. Um, what what sparked him being banned from everything?
3: Nothing. There, really, there, there's no cause. So, as I understand it, I mean, uh, it's it seems like what happened is he just became very, very popular, and he's spreading sort of his same kind of, you know, toxic message that people don't like, especially people who are working in social media companies. And I agree, I'm I'm saying it is it's a pretty horrible message, but that, you know, it's it seems to me a bit unlike Alex Jones. Where Alex Jones is like saying that, you know, massacres didn't happen and blaming parents, right? Tate, seemingly, as far as I can tell, is just sort of giving a sort of pretty, uh, a pretty uh, retrograde philosophy on dating and and life, which I think is bad. I, and I was calling before to complain about how bad it is, but he's been banned from like every platform—TikTok, Instagram, uh, like everything, YouTube, even I think even platform like Instagram. He didn't even do anything. All he did was like post pictures of like sports cars. He didn't do anything bannable. Uh, I don't know. The situation, I find, even though Tate, I I find odious, I do find the the sudden banning of him on everything a bit uh, concerning or a bit uh, eerie. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that's how it works. It's like the cases that should concern us the most are often very unsympathetic targets. Like, Tate seems like an incredibly horrible guy, but I'm with you. I find it disturbing the way someone can just sort of you know, have their presence online greatly diminished or disappeared without there being any sort sense of, like, transparency or due process. So unless there was something he did that was really over the line, like, I don't think someone should be kicked offline, even if they're being investigated for sex offense. Like, you're investigated for something, so you should get – I think even horrible people should generally be allowed to stay online. Alex Jones is the one I struggle with the most because I just – I think – I don't know. I almost think, like, you just need to say there's going to be some outlying cases where – your principles crash against like the most horrible instances of reality. And with, with Jones and the Sandy Hook stuff, I, I had a lot of trouble feeling bad about the banning. But um, the Tate thing sounds like it, it raises some interesting questions. I'd be curious if I asked folks online, like, how do you justify the banning? What do you think they would say? Like, what's the Steel Man version?
3: I, I don't think that there is anything yeah. particular. I think that what they might say is something like, well, he became so popular and he was spreading such a harmful message that it had to be done. I think really it was banned for being popular. I don't think there's yeah. anything that he does in particular that uh, that no one else does. Mm-hmm. He, he does everything that he does. Someone else is doing at the same time right now on any of these platforms. Um, he's just being banned. I think because he just became too big and be, too many stories about him and just hurt the bottom line. Seemingly,
0: yeah, that's interesting. We're going to look into it more. Unfortunately, it's, oh, uh, a uh, quick
3: more. Uh, before I go, quick, quick comment. I think uh, the streamer Destiny is trying to get you on stream to talk about. Uh, the UW situation. He emailed me, and I said, because I've yeah, I've um,
0: got some stuff going on this weekend, but I'm going to try to do it early next week if possible. It would be good to go back on. Possible.
3: There. Thanks for your time.
0: Thank you. All right. I believe Talk Pongo 2 is going to have to be the last caller. Sorry, Neil, but uh, we'll get you back on next time. Pongo 2, what's up?
4: Hey, Jesse. Hey. Um, I will say about the uh, this ended up being pretty much all about student loans, which isn't that's surprising given who your audience is and what the fact that uh, a lot of them have about 10 grand, at least on the line probably right now. So uh, it probably concentrates. I will say that um, like uh, forgiving student loans like this, it does nothing to call to correct the underlying problem, um, which is essentially a system which resembles a lot of other systems where the government or the U S the U S government has a strategy because because there's like a very strong ideological aversion to directly subsidizing things um, in the U.S. Oh, dude, this is such a cause of, of.
0: It's so bad and so different from other countries. The way like any sort of welfare system has to pass through some private enterprise, which just adds so much room for like graft and corruption and inefficiency. It's crazy.
4: Yeah, it, it, like the way I would summarize it is that instead of some some instead of subsidizing stuff, they subsidize debt. Yeah. Um, which is like, uh, you know, the help the housing system has a lot of this problem in it, where they'll subsidize, you know, first-time home buyers getting a home loan, which is basically just, you know, increasing increasing the amount they can spend on things, which in a market system means it increases the price of the things. So everyone ends up in the exact same place, and like, you know, that's almost exactly how the government, how how like the tuition in the states is so ridiculous. Um, so yeah like this is ultimately like it's it it's giving a payout to the people who are already like benefiting from the system um it does nothing to discipline the people who are like exploiting the system which isn't just you know your your bankers it's also the entire us education, the entire us higher education system which is basically just being written blank checks and raising their prices accordingly and um but no that's uh like it's it's a payout to the democrats constituency which is their college students unfortunately because the higher education industry is also a democrats constituency nothing's ever going to be done to them and right. the financial or nothing's ever going to be done to like uh cut their profits and uh yeah no so i i think that's and also i mean people are saying that like oh you didn't complain when there was like a uh when there, when there was a tax cut to the rich from the republicans why are you complaining about why are you complaining about this and it's like well Thanks for admitting that this is essentially this is a handout mostly to the rich who don't or the upper middle class who don't need it. And also, like, hey, we're hey, you you criticize us, but we're just as but but we're only we're only as bad as the other side. There's no difference between them, isn't a winning campaign slogan? You might imagine it is. And also, bringing up a, a free handout of ten grand to a whole bunch of people in an already inflationary environment is going to cause more inflation. Um, how much is up for debate, but uh, that is also something that is like a bottom line that you can't really escape from an electoral perspective.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have to say, obviously, there are individual cases where I think this will really help people who could use help, but I don't, I can understand the case for why it's not well targeted. And um, I think it's just sort of a band-aid and a band-aid with potential adverse consequences or unintended consequences on a Like you're saying, a much bigger system that seems pretty unfixable at this point. When you talk to, like, your, like, folks in Germany or England about our higher ed system, they just, they, I mean, there's a lot of aspects of our politics they don't understand. But when you tell them, like, the cost it costs to go to a good school, they do not understand at all. It's, like, alien to them. They have no idea why we do it that way. So
4: it's not good. Yeah, yeah, like, my tuition, my tuition in Canada 20 years ago at uh, a, a university that is ranked, I think in like one of the top 20 in North America was, I believe, I think it was around seven or eight K a year in Canadian oh dollars gosh. at that time.
0: Jesus. Yeah. That's like what you hear for like really good university. Ugh, it's so depressing.
4: Anyway. Yeah. And, and I did eventually pile up a whole bunch of debt when I went to medical school, which does actually cost, but yeah, anyway, anyway, that's my, that's my opinion on that. Also, I appreciate uh, it. Yeah. yeah no, I, I realize you're out of time.
0: Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, again, I'll, this is just an area where I'm so undereducated. But uh, thank you guys for bearing with me, despite my lack of economic and financial knowledge. Uh, thank you for tuning in today. I hope you have a good, uh, nice rest of the day. Please, if you like what I'm doing here, uh, tell other people about it. Uh, spread the word about Single Minded Conversations. I will be back next week, uh, which is very soon. Farewell.